0: You know, one of the statements that we say around here all the time is, say yes to Jesus. Have you heard me say that before? That's hopefully in your frame of reference. Say yes to Jesus. But what I've discovered, you know, Over the years, and perhaps you have too, is that saying yes to Jesus doesn't necessarily cover or help us in all situations or circumstances. It's a great vision to live by, it's a great motto to live by, and at times, legitimately, it's all we need. But there's other times when I find myself in circumstances or situations where I just need something a little tad more practical. And so, what I want to do is I want to look at a couple of verses in the Bible that will help guide us and direct our lives as followers of Jesus. We've been we just finished a series following Jesus, and as disciples of Jesus, who followers of Jesus, who want to live the life that God's called us to, we want to say yes to Jesus. But we also want to know what that looks like and how that plays out in a practical sort of way. And so that's the name of our series that we're entering into, Practical. And a say yes to Jesus, a fully surrendered Jesus follower, we need to know how our faith, our say yes to Jesus plays out in the day-to-day circumstances or moments or situations. And so we want to help you with that. We want to help you so you can be a follower of Jesus that honors him, that you can be a follower of Jesus that represents him, and you can be a follower of Jesus that makes an incredible difference in this world while experiencing joy and peace and contentment and fulfillment in the life that Jesus has for you. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a single question. A question that will that if you and I will begin to ask, it will clarify for us our best options for almost all decisions in our life. The, the question will help clarify for us just about everything. And it has the potential to foolproof your marriage, your relationships, your finances, your calendar, your pace of life, even your health. And my goal... My hope or my goal is that God is going to lead you through today to a place where you will make asking this question an actual lifelong habit, that it becomes part of your day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month way that you live your life. It's going to save you. Ask this question and then follow through with it. It's going to save you time. It's going to save you money. It's going to save you a lot of tears. You're going to f- carry around far less regret. And, and I was thinking about it this way. Best of all, maybe practically, you will spend a whole lot less time in life apologizing, you know, by asking this question, apologizing to yourself or to others or to God. Now, if you're not a Christian here this morning, you're still trying to figure out, hey, am I ready to give my life and faith to Jesus, you, you know, like Jaden just did? You need to know this is still very helpful to you. But if you're a Jesus follower, and I'm telling you, this is like mission critical to your life. And even if you don't think it's important to your life, I can almost guarantee you'll think it's relevant to your children, to your spouse, to your friends, to your boss, to your employee. Pretty much anybody whose decisions impact you, you're going to think this is relevant for. But I'm hoping you'll see that it's relevant for you as well. As a Jesus follower, this is the defining question for your practical everyday life. It's the key question that you and I can and should and ought to be asking in making our day-to-day decisions of our life. Now, instead of me just kind of giving you the answer up front, I thought we'd kind of discover it together. And although it's implied in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament, I, I love what the Apostle Paul said about it, and we're going to get there in a second. But before we do, let me give you Paul's background just to kind of give context for this man and what he's saying and the incredible uh, um, words he has for us. Paul, if you remember, Paul, before he was a Christian, he stepped onto the pages of, you know, of history, of, of Christianity, so to speak. Do you remember what he was before he was a Christian? Anybody remember? Yeah, he was a Pharisee. He was a Christian hunter, right? He was a Christian killer. He despised, he hated Christians. And then Jesus shows up and has a conversation with Paul. And and Paul, through that conversation, in faith, fully surrenders his life to Jesus. And now he becomes a Jesus follower. That alone was a huge deal. I I want you to think for a moment about a group that maybe you hate a group of people that you would maybe like to see imprisoned or executed, what would have to happen to you for you to join that group? I I mean, what would have to happen in your life so that you would then not only just join that group, then dedicate and devote your entire life to pushing those sets of beliefs? Picture that type of group, or maybe to make it even a little more practical. Imagine, if you will, that imagine that you're a Republican and become a Democrat. Or imagine that you're a Democrat and you become a Republican, right? Either way, most of us are in here saying, there's no way in the world I can never become that other side, right? Short of a what? A miracle. Short of a miracle, right? Well, that's Paul's story, God just miraculously comes into his life, and and now Paul, this Christian killer, he's fully devoted to Jesus, he's fully devoted to the message of Jesus, and when he writes the words that he's writing to us today, he's writing them as one who, who despised, who hated everything that Jesus stood for, but because God changed his life, because he had an encounter with God, he had a miracle with God, he is now a person who says, God's way is the way. And there is no other way. And I'm devoted and pouring my life into sharing that message. And what he shares with us is an important, critical part of that message. If you haven't turned there yet, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. And so with that type of person in mind and his background, who's now going to be sharing the message of Jesus, and I want you to notice, uh, we'll get to our verse in a second, but let me give you the backdrop here. Um, In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, There's this list of actions or behaviors or attitudes that Christians are supposed to do or not do. It's pretty predictable stuff. It's all stuff, you know, we've all been tempted to dabble in. Things like greed, sexual immorality, dishonesty, um, unkindness, revenge. And as Jesus followers, you and I know God has a different plan for us than that. That's not the path God has for us. He has a better path for us. So then Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 14, since you like me have been converted, since you have been changed, since you're now a Jesus follower, you're part of God's kingdom. And it's this kingdom of light and love. And so now because you're a Jesus follower like I am, Paul says, you can't keep living like you used to live. That's an old way of life. And in that passage in Ephesians 8-14, through uh, chapter 5, he says, I want you now to live a different way. I want you to live as children of light because you're part of God's kingdom. To which we might even say, well, that's not easy all the time. I'm, I'm still temptable. I'm still susceptible to the same foolish decisions or relationships or spending habits that I had before I was a Christ follower. And here's the brilliant part about Paul. He understood that. He knows how he wants us to live. God wants us to live as this child of the light, representing Jesus. And that's where we pick up the story because Paul, or there's these verses, because Paul's going to help us with it to bridge that gap, to help us because we still struggle with our foolish decisions. And so Paul's going to give us some practical help in order to help us live the life that God has called us to. And that's where we pick up. Look at verse 15. Paul says this. He says, in light of the fact that you're a child of the light, he says, be very careful then how you, and what does your verse say? How you what? Live, right? The NIV says live. Somebody else said a different word. What was their other word? Be careful how you walk. Different translations. Some say live, some say walk. The point is Paul's attempting to cover every sphere of our life in this verse right now. Be careful how you live your life. Be careful how you walk. But notice that third word he said, be very careful. He says, observe, pay attention, examine carefully. In other words, he doesn't want us to be careful. He wants us to pay attention to how it is that we're living our life. Now, how do you do that? How do you observe your life? How do you observe your walk? How do you pay attention to how you live your life? He tells us, verse 15, here's the way you do it. I want you to pay attention. I want you to observe. I want you to pay attention to your life. And I want you to do it not as unwise, but as, and what's the word, but as? wise see paul's implication is this is that when you're careless when we're not observing when we're not paying attention to our life and what we're doing in our life paul says you know that's just an unwise way to live but paul says when you're careful when you're observant when you're examining your life closely paul says that's the person who is wise paul wants us to open our eyes to pay attention, to to put all cards on the table, all information on the table. The idea of, you know, shoot first and ask questions later isn't a great way to live our lives. Paul says, no, 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 I want you to pay attention and observe and have the data and have the information and have the inputs that will inform your emotions and inform your heart. You know, I was just kind of looking up this week uh, Unwise choices of people. And if you just type that in, you can, I mean, there's so many different angles you can go. It is all over the map. I, I, and I, some of them are just, you can't share on a Sunday morning. But, uh, so I, I decided just to do like an easy one. Some uncho- unwise choices of athletes. And uh, there's so many, if you think about different athletes, some of the unwise choices they made, um, uh, the list is long, I'm not going to go through them all, I'll just give you a couple that kind of jumped out at me, see if, you, see if you agree that these were pretty unwise choices. I think one of the uh, most unwise choices by an athlete was when Tiger Woods decided to have an affair. You Remember that? You mean, wasn't that the beginning of the end of his career for those who followed Tiger? That was the beginning of the end. How about this one? Michael Vick, running a dog fighting, you know, deal, right? Pretty unwise. Uh, How about this one? This is what I wrote down. O.J. Simpson, pretty much everything. (laughs) Right? I mean, whether he did or didn't, he got off and now he's in jail for a robbery in Vegas for 30, good grief. How about this one? One dude was in a boxing ring and was hungry. When Mike Tyson decided to eat the ear of Evander Holyfield, remember that? (laughs) Not very wise. Not very wise. See, Paul is telling us, don't live as unwise, but live as wise. And if you do that, if you live carefully, if you're examining your life as a wise person, notice what he goes on to say, then you can make, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of. That's actually one Greek word. The Greek word is exagerazo. Does that sound like an English word? Exaggerate. Exaggerate. You know what that actually literally meant? It was used of, of, of merchants. And it was the idea of taking advantage of and buying something up that was a good deal. Okay, it was the idea of choosing, choosing the best goods in front of you. Go to the market, find an, a, a, a bargain. Take advantage of the opportunities before you. Now, opportunity in the Greek is is the same word as the word time. In the Bible, there's two words for time. There's the word chronos, which deals with seconds, minutes, days, you know, all that kind of stuff. But there's another word, kairos, which is the word here using Ephesians 5.16 and also Colossians 4.5. And kairos refers to opportunity. In other words, the way of wisdom, Paul is saying, take advantage of the opportunities that are before you. Time is opportunity. Opportunity is time. And Paul says, I want you to make the most of it. I want you to make your life count, your time count by taking advantage of opportunities before you. Buy them up. Take advantage of it because God's putting them before you. And that's what Paul's saying is the wise person. Now, why do you need to take advantage of the opportunities before you? Why do you need to take advantage of your time and pay attention and? And, and examine the opportunities. Paul goes on to say why. Well, look at verse, the verse again. He says, because the days are what? The days are evil. Evil is active opposition to good. It's destructive and damaging. That's what the, the tra- it, it translates to. You and I have lived long enough to know now, don't we, even, even if we're a young person, that our culture is always trying to drag us in a negative direction. Have you figured that out? Have you figured out that there are certain currents of society that they are going to try to drag you along? What Paul says, you know, they're they're bad. He uses the word evil. And when, when you go along with the evil of society, you're going to end up having regrets. Regrets relationally. Regrets financially, socially, spiritually. So Paul says, I want you to watch out. I want you to pay attention. I want you to observe. I want you to make the most of the opportunities that God puts before you because we live in challenging times. We live in difficult times. Or as Paul says, we live in evil times. Verse 17, Paul says, in light of all that, he says, therefore, do not be foolish. You know what foolish or unwise actually looks like? It's the person who doesn't examine. It's the person who says, you know, this probably isn't the best thing to do, but I don't really care. I'm going to do it anyways. Paul says, don't be that person. That's unwise. He says, but understand. Don't be foolish. Don't live that way, but understand what the Lord's will is. Understand. Face up to what God has before you, what God wants for you. You know what Paul's really saying? He's looking at believers, Christ followers, followers, Jesus followers, those who've surrendered their life to God, and he is looking at them, and he's really saying, guys, there's no more games. There's no more religious jargon. There's no more excuses. Paul's saying, I want you to step up here. And the question is very simply this, is what is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do in every invitation we have in life, every opportunity we have in life, every decision we have in life, Not the unwise, but what is the wise thing to do? And what I want to do is I'm going to lead you to the ultimate question. That's the first half of it. I want to lead you there and give you kind of more of a broader picture of it, more of a three-dimensional picture, more of a practical uh, help in this. What's the wise thing to do? So the first part of the question is this. In light of my past experience or experiences, in other words, what I know, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing to do? You know, the last time I went there, the last time I saw that person, the last time I said yes to that, the last time I bought that, the last time I leased that, in light of the fact that I just got out of that relationship, in light of the fact that I just paid off that credit card, the last time I approached that person and my method of reaching out to them was to rant and rave and to get mad at them and angry and they didn't hear me and they got defensive. In light of that, In light of all the past experiences of what I know and what I've went through and what I've observed, what's the wise thing to do? I I don't know if you guys remember a bunch of us last year in in the summertime, we did some block parties. Do you guys, some of you guys remember those, the block parties where you invited people, and you have a barbecue, hang out, get to know your neighbors, and uh, myself and another person, we led the way in our neighborhood back on July 4th. And so we brought people, had this great old time, and lots of people came out from our neighborhood, and, and we did this event, and it was great, and going along, and later in the evening, it's time, you know, it's now dark, and so what do you do on 4th of July? Fireworks. fireworks, right? So the fireworks are out, and then all of a sudden, some different fireworks show up. And they were fireworks of the um, south of the border persuasion. <laughs> and so they went boom, really loud. And and I'm kind of looking going, I don't know. And then they kept going. And that kind of egged on the teenagers. And so then the teenagers went and got bottles and started putting liquid and doing this and that. And next thing you know, the court was loud. Boom. And next thing you know, people started leaving. And I looked over at... Brian, who's with me, I go, are they leaving because of all of that stuff that's probably shouldn't be out here? And he's like, oh, no, 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 it's late. They're just ready to go. And I found myself looking at him going, I don't think it was too wise to bring out those items. Some of you are like, duh. (laughs) I actually had a police officer after first service come up to me. and was like, where do you live? He was dead serious. I, I Actually, I don't, he's not here now. He's at the other side. I was like, I didn't know if he was serious. or like, I was like, hey, it wasn't, they weren't mine. I, you know, But I was in charge. What's the wise thing to do? So, on my, when I get home today, what we have left for next year, we're going to go throw away. <laughs> in light of your past experiences, what's the wise thing to do? Second, In light of your current circumstances, what's the wise thing to do? In light of maybe what you're going through right now, maybe some vulnerabilities, maybe where you're at right now financially or maybe where you're at emotionally, what's the wise thing for you to do right now? Not necessarily forever, not for everybody else, but for you right now. Maybe you just started a new job. Maybe you just moved. Maybe you just had your first baby or second baby or maybe you just found out you're going to have A. In light of your current circumstances, In light of your current circumstances with what's going on with you financially right now. Maybe, you know, you're like, I'm I'm trying to get out of debt right now. Or you're moving in a new house, new neighborhood. Maybe right now you have a parent who's going through a tough time. In light of what you're going through right now, what's the wise thing to do? See, this is the best question you and I can ask. Third part of this. In light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? I think most of us in this room can look back at some point in our life and realize, you know, I have made a decision with some of the choices I've made where I traded in my tomorrow for today. We've all had those type of stories. I've traded in my future dreams and hopes for something today that I won't even have tomorrow. Well, I got to have that. Forget about it later. I don't worry about later. Who cares about that? I'll deal with that later. I, I, right now, I want to do this, enjoy this, have this. Paul's like, that's not wise. That's betraying our future. So Paul invites you and I, measure your present against your future. Is that really worth it? Listen, church, I'm telling you, this component alone has the power to change the trajectory of your entire life. In light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? I want to retire before age 50 and be freed up to serve God with every second of every day. Okay, so what's the wise thing to do today? I want to buy my first house by age 30. Okay, what's the wise thing to do then to get there? I want to pay off my house by age 40. Okay, what's the right thing to do? I want to go on five mission trips in the next 10 years. I want to pay for my kids or my grandkids' education. I want to have kids who turn into Jesus followers who become amazing contributors to the kingdom and to society when they become adults. Okay, what's the wise thing to do? What's the wise way to raise them? You have hopes and dreams, don't you? You have a vision for your life. And the worst thing you can do is allow circumstances, situations, or people to rob you of that future because you looked on what they said, what the circumstance said and say hey, it's all good, there's nothing wrong with it. I can do it, I can go here, be- I can go down this path. I've done it before. It's not illegal. Nobody's going to find out, and even if they do find out, I can manage the consequences. Whatever path you go on all of that. Why in the world would you trade your future for something that's not even going to be around or be there in the future? The question, the better question, it's not, you know, is it right? It's a good question at times, but it's not the best question. The question, is it legal? It's an okay question, but it's not the best question. The best question, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? Not necessarily for everybody else, but for me. Now, let's put all three of those together. This is the defining question. In light of my past circumstances, or situations, or experiences. In light of my present circumstances, or situations. In light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? Can you imagine if a couple of these companies had asked this question? (laughs) Imagine if 20th Century Fox had asked this question. When they signed over all the merchandising rights of all the Star Wars films to George Lucas for $20,000. It's at three billion and counting. Imagine if they had asked this question. Imagine if the executive at the London office of DECA Records in 1962 had asked this question. Four dudes walk in and he thought they sounded too much like a popular group called The Shadows. And he told Brian Epstein, their manager, we don't like your boys' sound. Four-piece groups with guitars are finished. So the Beatles walked out and said, we'll find somebody else. By the way, anybody ever heard of the Shadows? (laughs) Wasn't a very wise decision by that executive. Eastman Kodak, I don't know if you knew this one. Do you know that Eastman Kodak actually developed the digital camera in 1975? Some of you might know that, but I didn't know that. They developed the camera. And they developed the core technology for the cell phone. But they decided not to develop either of those because uh, they thought it would cannibalize their film business because they had 90% of the market. I don't know about you, but I'm not carrying around a Kodak cell phone. And I'm not taking pictures with a Kodak camera on film. Will you go to Costco and get your double prints? Remember those old days? <laughs> Imagine if they had asked this question in light of our past experiences, in light of our current circumstances, in light of my, our future hopes and dreams. What's the wise thing to do? I, I do know this about you. I, don't, I really don't think you plan to mess up your present or your future. I, I don't think that's in you. I don't think your goal is, hey, I'm going to screw up my life. Right? I don't think we go there. We don't plan to mess up our present. We don't plan to mess up our future. But here's what we do do. We fail to plan not to. We fail to plan not to screw it up. Nobody plans financial ruin through t- credit, uh, credit card debt, right? You don't set out to say, I'm going to ruin my life with credit and credit cards, I doubt any of you planned and said, you know, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to have a horrible marriage. Right? You You don't do that. You don't walk down the aisle and say, I do. And then you get on the plane. You get to your honeymoon destination. You look your bride in the eyes and you say, from here on in, I'm planning to screw the whole thing up. This is the beginning of the end. You don't plan to do that. No one plans, how about this one? No one plans when they have that first child and they're holding that first child and they look into that child's eyes that they love at that moment. No one looks at that child and says, I'm now going to plan to do everything possible to make sure you hate me when you're an adult. Right? We don't plan that. We don't plan to mess it up. We just fail to plan not to. See, here's what I know for those of us who are sincere Jesus followers, followers of Jesus' will, followers who want to say yes to Jesus. Most of our relational, financial, even spiritual nightmare stories, those nightmare stories could have and would have been avoided if we had asked this question, if we had followed through with it. I just want you to imagine what your life could actually be like if you would choose to ask this question to say, I'm going to make my faith real and practical. I know Jesus wants me to live holy, I know He wants me to live set apart. And so I want to ask this question in all areas of my life. The question has the potential to help your life, restore your life, heal your life, and, and help you avoid regrets for your marriage for your relationships, for your finances, for your calendar, for your pace of life, for your health. This question will help reduce the complexity that our lives have, you know, slid into. It's the most practical question that you and I can ask. So here's what I want you to do this week. This week, it's your homework, all right? Your homework this week is that by God's grace, I am actually hoping that this week, you will constantly ask this defining question. This week that you would stick it on, your, you know, on a note and put it on the refrigerator, that you put it in your car, put it, it with your backpack, that you'd put it you know, uh, on your computer as a sticky note off to the side, that you would ask the question, in light of my past experience, in light of my current circumstances and my future hopes and dreams, in light of that, what's the wise, wise thing to do with this circumstance, with this situation, with this relationship? Just start to ask that question this week. I want to give you permission. Uh, You don't have to do anything about the question this week. Okay? Uh, Don't don't do anything about it. Just this week, just start asking it. Just start seeing the question in your circumstances and situations. Because remember what I said my goal is, that this eventually becomes a lifelong habit of yours. So this week, I just want you to start observing this question into your circumstances. And if you will do that this week and just start constantly asking it, you're going to discover a few things about yourself. For those of you who are young people or teenagers, when the answer to the question is exactly what your parents have been saying to you, but you're not about to let them know, listen, that says something about you. Bosses, when the answer is exactly what the team has been telling you, but you aren't about to let them know, what does that say about you? Husbands, when the answer to the question is exactly what your wife has been telling you, but you aren't about to let her know, what is that? That's normal. (laughs) Wives, when the answer to the question is exactly what your husbands have been telling you, what is that? That'd be a miracle, of course, because we're not always dialed into you and... We're not always on the ball, and I get it, and I include myself. (laughs) Here's the reality. If there is something inside of you that resists this question, you need to know that you do not have your best interests at heart. And I want you to hear this this morning. We, We don't have time to go into this. But if there's something that resists or has been resisting this question, you have some things going on inside that you really need to allow God and others to help you with. Because maybe the Lord, your church family, your friends, your spouse, your kids, your bosses, whatever, maybe they've been trying to speak to you, but you've resisted. You wouldn't let them in. See, it says something about you, where you're at. And there might be some lack of health that really needs to be addressed. If you resist it, you don't have your best interests at heart. One of the things I know for sure is as we dive into this deeper and deeper, you're going to discover that this path of wisdom, it looks strangely familiar to all the ethics and morals of the New Testament. So even if you're still figuring God out and searching God and checking God out, God kind of lays it out for all of us. So I want to encourage you, go for it. Go for it. Ask the defining question. It is the beginning of practically living out our faith in God in a God-honoring, God-pleasing way. In light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do right now? And the next week, we're going to continue on. We'll pick up our discussion. And take it further. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we know. We know, God, that you have so much for us. You are for us. You don't want there to be anything that would harm us. And so, God, you lay out for us what our life can look like. And you give us incredible wisdom and insight. And you've asked us to ask the question, what is the wise thing to do. As true Jesus followers, not just religious attenders, not just church attenders, but as Jesus followers, we want to know how to live the life that you've called us to. So God, I pray that this week your Holy Spirit is just constantly flooding our lives this week, in every moment, every situation we're in, God, you just bring the question back to us. What's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? So God, I'm asking that you, through the Holy Spirit, miraculously, as you touch Paul's life, that you would touch our lives. And that as we start asking this question, we start seeing the choices. We start examining, as you asked us to do, to pay attention, to look closely. So God, help us with that this week so that we can live the life that you've called us to, so that we can honor you with everything that we are and everything we do. And I ask for this and pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.